This is Chelsea on Chet, and that isn't actually Drake and The Weeknd. That song is called Heart on My Sleeve, and it sounds like them, but it's actually a song that was created by AI to sound like those two huge artists. Just one sign of some misinformation when it comes to AI and the way that it's applied and the way that it is shared. Uh, This is a a real issue and one that we're going to get a little bit more perspective on with our guest, who's an associate professor of interdisciplinary studies at Royal Roads University, Jagris Hodson. Jagris, thanks so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Let's just talk a little bit about why you wanted to, to look at AI misinformation. There's so much conversation, I think, about AI in general. Why focus on the misinformation aspect of it? Well, I'm a misinformation researcher, and I spent most of the COVID pandemic studying COVID misinformation, and now I'm looking at other health misinformation. Uh, and uh, I noticed that people were beginning to turn to AI for uh, you know, answers to questions, and, and that really worried me. So I, I did an experiment with some of my students in my digital studies class, and I asked them to, you know, ask uh, ChatGPT about, you know, anything in, in the field of digital studies. And so to my surprise and delight, uh, some of them asked ChatGPT about me, and it was hilarious what ChatGPT ended up getting wrong because even though my entire bio is on the internet for all to see, uh, ChatGPT told them that I had gotten my PhD at two different universities, neither of which I got my PhD from, and even the uh, topic of my PhD was completely wrong, um, according to ChatGPT. So uh, that's because these these generative AIs are, are kind of, they're populated with information that's already out there, right? So there is still some room for error. I mean, they're not operating perfectly, right? Do you, do you think that the misinformation aspect is something that's going to get fleshed out as these become more popularly used? I think we're going to see two things, Chelsea. So, yeah, you're right. Right now, the training sets or or the information that's fed into these generative AI tools is limited, right? So it maybe doesn't come from the websites that had, for example, my bio on them. Um, But uh, on the other hand... Uh, while that will improve, hopefully over time, and developers do tell us that that, they, that this will improve over time, there are also you know bad actors who you know for example in my previous research into COVID nineteen would seed misinformation uh, using social media tools at that time. Those bad actors are going to use you know AI to seed misinformation in a different way. So even as it gets better, I, I think we really need to worry about uh, say people using AI to create you know almost immediately um, you know, articles that look convincing or videos that look convincing or audio like, like you played that, that sounds convincing mm-hmm. but is completely not grounded in reality. How important is it to, to really understand just how prevalent misinformation when it comes to AI really is or could be? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think we can we can analogize it to, you know, social media and misinformation in a way, right? So social media, for example, didn't create misinformation about, say, you know, health topics. But what it did was it allowed that misinformation to spread farther and faster, so it made it a bigger problem. And I think AI is then going to allow it to spread farther and faster still. So just as we saw, you know, we weren't that concerned about misinformation, say, a decade ago, and now we really are, mm-hmm. I think a decade 
decade from now, we'll, we'll have even more threats to agreeing on what is real and true because we'll have so many convincing fakes out there. You studied misinformation during the pandemic, which I can only imagine um, the PTSD that you have experienced <laughs> from looking into something like that. Um, you know, from someone who's really looking at misinformation and studying it as a whole, what's, what's at stake here? How important is it for us to really understand that this is a big problem? Yeah, I, I think our, our very uh, ability to engage in democratic communication is what I see at stake. And you'll notice that you know people seem to be getting more and more polarized. Um, you know, as as each year passes, we we have a harder time sort of. You know, I, I, my, my one of my students says, you know, agreeing to disagree, and 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 I don't even know if it's that, but we have actually a harder time agreeing on what evidence is mm-hmm. and if and if that continu- continues how can we make the important choices about you know how to take care of our health or who to vote for or you know how to you know make sense of the world around us and so if you know if they're really convincing fakes out there and, and right, chat gpt does right now of course is um it finds as much information as it can and then it makes up the rest of it so so right now you know students will use chat gpt to research a topic and and they'll find that half of the citations that ChatGPT has delivered don't exist at all, and, and maybe the other half are wrong. Um, uh, but I, I think when, when, when we're in a world where we can't trust whether information is made up, uh, I think that really destabilizes our ability to agree on, you know, say what issues uh, we need to be concerned with in Canada as a whole. It's really, it's unsettling because in a situation like that, you have students that are trying to research a topic and they're looking at something that really does appear as if it's been well-researched with citations that that would look at first glance like they're legitimate. So what what can we do to sort of wrap our heads around what might be real or might, what might not be real? What kind of critical thinking do you apply to this? Oh, I think it's a really important question, and I've been thinking about that, and other researchers have been thinking about that too. So we do have uh, some idea out there. Uh, and, and the first idea is that um, the critical thinking skills that we all remember from grade school are just not cutting it, obviously, in this new reality, right? So in grade school, we were taught to, you know, read um, a text, uh, sometimes a short story or, or a paragraph, sometimes a whole book, and then write about it. You know, tell us, engage deeply, tell us what happened, and think a lot about this text. And then, you know, what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? I think we can all remember assignments like that. But that's not how we want to engage with these online texts, because if we read them too deeply right away without knowing they're credible, that can lead us, you know, to the wrong place. Mm -hmm. So what researchers from Stanford and other places have told us is that what we need to do is teach lateral reading. So we need to teach students to actually look for cues as to whether they can trust um, the the content they're reading before they read much of it at all. So we ask them to think about who authored the article, find out about them, what are their credentials, how do you know that they are, you know, uh, uh, experts in the field, you know, importantly, in the field that they are talking about. Many people, you know, for example, going back to COVID, many people talked about COVID, but were they all epidemiologists, right? No, right? So so thinking of that stuff, Um, you know, what claims are they making? Have other people made those claims? And can I find this in, in the literature? Can I find academic literature that supports that? Which leads us 
course two, needing to also teach research literacy. Now, I don't know about you, Chelsea, but uh, my mom has uh, often said to me, oh, I'm going to go research something when when she really means she's going to look it up on Google. I, I don't know if you have people like that in your life. Mm-hmm. Of, of course. Because yeah, right. Think- and, and so we've kind of, you know, synonymous now, Google is, uh, with, with doing research, but we need to disrupt that. We need to say, no, that isn't research. We need to teach people what research actually is and how to evaluate the quality. So teaching them about how we determine research quality, what peer review does, how we determine journal quality so that we can tell if somebody's publishing in in, in a good journal. So, you know, I, I talk about health communication a lot and recently I've been looking at cancer misinformation and I, I came across an article that talked about fasting um, as, as a method to prevent cancer mm-hmm. uh, and it looked really good um, but then I started to do some lateral reading and I looked up some of the authors and I realized that one of them has a supplement company which he uses to sell these bars that you eat when you're going on a fast <laughs> so that immediately right made me feel suspicious and I don't know now if this article is true but I am going going to be more critical of it because if you have if you're making money from supplements possibly to do with this this health information you better make sure that it is it is well founded so so that would be an example right of that lateral reading and saying oh maybe this research you know maybe there's there's you know, uh, alternative motives behind this research that might make me skeptical um, and then finally you know we need to have technological literacy too we need to teach people how to be skeptical generally of of the technologies right most people don't realize that the content we see on social media um, is dictated by algorithms that is prioritizing engagement and making money for advertisers and with uh, with these new ai tools a lot of people don't realize that the majority of training data still comes from sites like reddit right and not from the entire internet so you know stuff like that i i think we need to teach ourselves and and especially you know teach students so that they're in a better position to critically evaluate um, the information they see online. Well, and it sounds, Jakers, like the example that you just used, you know, with your mom going and, and Googling something is something that, you know, we can laugh about, but uh, but it's also something that I think a lot of people just do when they want to find something out. And what you're describing yeah. is taking a lot more extra steps to really determine whether or not something is real, which I think is a great practice for students. But do you have optimism that people are going to do this in their daily lives and be that discerning? <laughs> you know what? You're you're right. Um, it's it's very difficult to add you know that 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 process into your day to day life. But I don't think we have to do it for everything. You know, Google's great if you're looking. You know, what's the best couch to buy, or you know how you what are the trends in hairstyles for the season. But if it's something that's important, if it's something that's about politics, right? So like who to vote for, or if it's about your health, especially, um, that's where we need to stop and apply that additional level of lateral reading and research literacy because that's when it really matters, right? Like it doesn't necessarily matter um, you know, if, if, if I bought the wrong kind of jeans, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it really matters if, if you know, I take um, a, a cancer treatment that, that doesn't kill my cancer, right? So, so I think when it matters, that's when we really need to make sure we're using these, uh, these tools. Jigris, uh, how, how intimidating or how daunting is it to teach students now in, in a world where AI is something that is threatening not only what information they're receiving, but is, is a tool that they're using more and more? 
Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. And absolutely, I've <laughs> rejigged every assignment to make it less hackable uh, by you know, chat GPT. But at the same time, it's also a really neat opportunity to do things like, you know, the activity I did in my class mm -hmm. and have the students learn in real time that, oh, you know, this thing I thought was a magic bullet actually gets a lot of stuff wrong. And then that opens up an opportunity to have these discussions about, you know, what are the, uh, you know, perverse incentives driving technology development. What are, you know, the, the risks that we all have to fall victim to misinformation and then how can we get around them? I've had such great discussions since I've, you know, made the step of being less afraid of AI and more, you know, interested in showing my students how to critique it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your findings and, uh, and giving us a little bit of your time today. Oh, thank you for having me. Of course. As Jagris Hudson, Associate Professor of Interdisciplinary Studies at Royal Roads University, talking about AI-generated misinformation and uh, some skills to really help try to address it.